This teaching comes to you from the team at St Mark's Darling Point, Sydney. We hope that it blesses you. The passage appointed for the epistle is written in the book of St James, chapter 5, verses 7 to 11. Be patient, therefore, beloved, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious crop from the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You must also be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Beloved, do not grumble against one another so that you may not be judged. See, the judge is standing at the doors. As an example of suffering and patience, beloved, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Indeed, we call blessed those who showed endurance. You have heard the endurance of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Here endeth the epistle. The Holy Gospel is written in the book according to St. Matthew, chapter 24, starting at verse 45. Who then is the faithful and wise slave whom his master has put in charge of his household to give the other slaves their allowance of food at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master will find at work when he arrives. Truly, I tell you, he will put that one in charge of all his possessions. But if that wicked slave says to himself, My master is delayed, and he begins to beat his fellow slaves and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour that he does not know. He will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Let us pray. Give us grace, O Lord, not only to hear your word with our ears, but also to receive it into our hearts and to show it forth in our lives for the glory of your great name. Amen. New South Wales is experiencing one of the most severe droughts on record. And from the safe, relatively wet vantage point here in Sydney, it could normally escape our notice, but the smoke and the fires have literally brought the problem right in front of our eyes. Not to mention that for many of you here, the drought affects you personally, the drought and the fires. You know, just from conversations I've had this week, uh, uh, for Jeffrey and Sally, have a property under threat. I was speaking to Robin last week, has a family in the country who've been doing it really tough for years. And I'm sure that for others of you, you also feel it personally. And so as Christians, the drought and the fires can be a real test for us. God is the one who sends rain or not. So when will he send it? Does God care about our properties, our families, our air quality, our agriculture, our supply of food? When will it end? Does he really have our best interests in mind? 
But more generally, I think the drought is a powerful illustration and a focused instance of, of things that call us to wait patiently for the Lord, to wait patiently for the return of Jesus. We're in the season of Advent now, and on the lead-up to Christmas, we reflect on Jesus' coming, his first coming at Christmas and his second coming, which we await. Last week, we thought about the need to wake up. And this week, we're thinking about the challenge to be patient. And so in the light of the drought and fires, God calls us to be patient. But it's the same for every hardship and affliction that we face. Because the whole Christian life asks that we be patient. So our text today is James chapter 5. And as James urges us to be patient, he answers three questions for us. Three questions. What does it mean to be patient? How can we be patient together as a community? And how can we foster patience in our own lives? So first, what does it mean to be patient? Well, according to James, we exercise patience by waiting and expecting. Waiting and expecting. Look at verse 7. Be patient, therefore, beloved, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious crop from the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. A farmer has no ultimate control over the rains or his crops. He can be a skilled farmer, prepare the land, plant the right crops, fertilise in the right way. And as we know all too keenly, he can only wait for the rain and wait for the crops to grow. And the same goes for all of us. We have no control over so many things in our lives. We can plan our lives. We can seek to live peacefully and honestly. But at some point, life is just beyond our control. You can't control people who are out to get you. You can't, in the end, control your children or the decisions they make. You can't control the past. And the old pain can be so deep that you'll never have complete restitution or peace. We're like the farmers on the land who can't do anything except wait. Now this doesn't sound very encouraging, does it? Just just to wait. But I think this helps us to manage our expectations. Sometimes we wonder when God will answer our prayers I spoke to some people this week who were very concerned that God isn't answering our prayers for rain. That is a, it's a very real concern. But the reality is that sometimes the answer to our prayers is that we need to wait. He might answer our prayers with a yes, other times with a no. Or we just might need to wait. But it's not simply waiting, you know, an eternal waiting room. Because we wait with confident expectation. Because in the end, the farmer receives his fruit. And as verse 8 says, the coming of the Lord is near. Like the farmer, we labour and toil now, but the rest and the rich harvest will come when he returns. And when he does, there will be no more parched land. 
No more uncontrollable fire. You won't fight with your family anymore, your spouse, your ex, your kids. Your body and your mind will be healthy. The pains of your past will be healed. And he will reward your faithfulness. And so we wait with expectation. Now, how often do you wake up and think, you know, Jesus could come back today? Now, this, I remember uh, a number of years ago, do you remember the dust storm in Sydney? We all woke up and everything was just red, kind of this deep red color. I woke up and I thought that that morning, whoa, is Jesus coming back? And, though, if I'm honest, I think that's probably the only time I've thought that. But we need to think like that every day. Every day, wake up thinking, Jesus could come back today. This could be it. In our diaries, first appointment, maybe Jesus. Imagine the difference that that would make to our lives. Imagine the kind of deep resolve that would give us. Imagine the way that would strengthen our hearts. Because if Jesus is coming back tonight, I can put up with anything. I can wait for that. I can wait patiently. So being patient means waiting and expecting. But what about together as a community? How can we be patient together as God's people? Well, as we seek to live among each other and seek to wait patiently and expectantly, we can also be patient with each other. Look at verse 9. Beloved, do not grumble against each other so that you may not be judged. See the judges standing at the doors. James says this because when we're impatient, anxious, unsure about our future, we can turn on each other. Like impatient kids stuck in the back of the car on a long road trip across New South Wales, we bicker and quarrel. Michael spoke last week about how we need not live like nocturnal creatures, like cockroaches living in the night. When I was a kid, we had these homemade cockroach traps. We'd trap them all together alive in a jar. And what did trapped cockroaches do? They ate each other. Yeah, it was disgusting. And that's what, that's what nocturnal creatures do. They bite and they devour each other. But not us. Not us. In Galatians 5, Paul says that they bite and devour each other, but not us. We expect him return any minute. And so instead of being jealous of what each other have now, of his wealth, of their happy family, of her easy life, we can wait to receive that reward from our Lord. Instead of judging each other, condemning each other's faults ungraciously, instead we can prepare for the coming of our judge. Instead of speaking evil and cursing each other, gossiping about each other, we can tame our tongues and actually encourage each other to hold on and endure until our judge returns. And how much better and how more beautiful is it to live like that 
not like disgusting trapped cockroaches in a jar, but reflecting on the coming reward, graciously encouraging each other to endure until then. Isn't that exactly the kind of community that we want to be? Isn't that exactly the kind of people we want our Lord to find when he returns? Living patiently and expectantly for Jesus to return means that we live patiently with each other. But the final question is, how can we foster this kind of patience in our lives? How can we foster it? Well, one way is to look at the example of others. Look at verse 10. As an example of suffering and patience, beloved, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Indeed, we call blessed those who showed endurance. You have heard of the endurance of Job. Now, Job suffered enormously under the hand of Satan. In one day, he lost his family, his possessions, his health. But he endured patiently through it. The prophet Jeremiah saw the awful judgment of God on his people. Jerusalem destroyed by famine and fire. And his own people, his family, turned against him. But he endured patiently through it. And when we imagine Job and Jeremiah, we tend to imagine these pious saints who are impervious to suffering, stoically ignoring all pain and denying that anything's wrong. But you just need to read past chapter 2 of Job for the rest of the other 42 chapters to see that Job didn't just sit quietly while he waited. And neither did Jeremiah. They wrestled with God. They questioned God. They poured out their hearts to God and to their friends. But through that, at the deepest level, they still held fast to God and submitted to him. And we can do that too. Wrestle and lament while holding fast and patiently. So, the, But the question remains, how did they do that? How did they patiently endure when things were so hard? Well, they knew this, that God is good, that God's purposes His reasons for allowing those things to happen are good. The final part of verse 11, you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. You know, at the end of Job, right at the end of the book, two things happened for him. First, he was humbled by God. Even in that horrific suffering, God transformed him by grace to a deeper faith and understanding and a close relationship with God. And you know, it's the same for us. We don't know why God is allowing the drought or the fires. (laughs) I don't know why God is allowing you to suffer in the way that you do. But I do know that he's good. And even through your hardships, his compassionate grace can transform you to a deeper, richer understanding of him 
and trust in him. But the other thing about Job is that he was richly rewarded. God returned to him double what he originally had, double what he lost. His family came to him and he had sympathy and he had comfort. God's gracious compassion means that when Jesus returns, if you endure until the end, you will be richly rewarded. He will comfort you with tender mercy, give you the rejuvenating rest that you long for. You will meet old loved ones who are asleep in the Lord. We will all be reconciled in perfect relationship with each other. We'll no longer groan or complain, but have perfect enjoyment of God. No longer wrestle with the doubt that clouds your eyes. But you will see him clearly in glory, face to face. No more dryness, toil or aching, but instead love, joy and praise. So, my brothers and sisters, be patient because the Lord is near. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at www.stmarksdp.org to subscribe to our new episodes, browse more resources and find more information about the community of St Mark's.